Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Beowulf, directed by Robert Zemeckis, Spotlight by Tom McCarthy, we have newly released Tar by Todd Field, Armageddon Time by James Gray, and finally, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, directed by Ryan Coogler. It's going to be a great show, so stay tuned and enjoy. Daily, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay over here. How was your uh, week of movies, man? Week was good. A lot of pre-Oscar buzz, of course. Uh, with a really? Lot of, oh, yeah. Uh, Armageddon time, Tar. Uh, who knows? Maybe, really maybe we'll kind of forever we'll get a get a nod as well. I'm upset. I didn't hear about any of these really. Yeah, yeah. So well, I, it's I not mean, for Black Panther, but you know. Right, right. Yeah. But um, but yeah, uh, it kind of inspired a little bit of the watching this week, returning to some previous Oscar winners, some pretty previous uh, critical buzz, and uh, and yeah, uh, excited to talk about the movies as always. All right, cool. All right, well, let's just get started right away. Uh, Beowulf, two thousand and seven, <laughs> Robert Zemeckis. Why was this on your list? I love it, by the way. <laughs> right, but yeah. it is on your list. It is definitely on my list. Uh, I definitely watched this movie and uh, definitely did not enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I wasn't digging this one. Did you see it in uh, theaters? No, uh, I never saw this back in the day. Um, this was uh, 2007, and definitely yeah. would have been during the time. I mean, I remember it coming out. I remember the buzz around Angelina Jolie being, you know, semi-naked in oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah, yeah. So. When it came out, I liked it. Yeah, but it also came out in 2007. And we were younger then. <laughs> this film has aged drastically. Salt in theaters. Uh, yeah, since these, since the days of uh, of a pre financial crisis, Tom's. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Robert Zemeckis who also did the animated uh, Tom Hanks Polar Express. Polar Express, Christmas Carol. That's all within his two thousands work. Um, so he was like on a hot. Yeah, he was cold. Just... He was on a hot train <laughs> um, of this animation style. When this came out, I was super impressed with it. I mm-hmm. thought the going thing. Was that the animation was cool, yeah. lifelike, and good? Mm-hmm. I will say at the time, I remember somebody saying it was like, "Oh, it was like I was watching Shrek." <laughs> so, there definitely is some Shrek vibes. Certain characters really? look like they are out of Shrek. All right. Like <laughs> so in 2007, how do we, this what was supposed to be hyper realistic animation? Yeah. Uh, what's the 2022 watch now? The 2022 watch uh, is definitely that this. Uh, Unfortunately, that I feel the animation has aged very poorly to the point that my note is I, I said I feel like it looks like ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that there are a lot of asses in the film <laughs> as well. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think for me, the reason why it doesn't maybe pass or, or it didn't really give me a lot of interest in watching it in modern day is that yeah. the animation doesn't seem to be inspired to be an animated film cinematography, uh, the wild nature of what anime or animation can be, uh, that there are no rules. There, It right. can be just pure imagination, especially as that translates to action sequences. Uh, very boring movie, very dull fantasy movie, and on top of the the visuals now looking poor, yeah. uh, I, I found very little reason to uh, to recommend this film. So, oh, because uh, the animation was that bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and again, I, I would say the crafting, the filmmaking with the animation, uh, a little bit uninspired. There was so no which, moment that I was saying, wow, that could only be done in animation. So really, it's almost like Zemeckis should have just actually uh, used real people. Uh, yeah, Or live, live action, I should absolutely. say. Absolutely. Uh, I think, uh, especially doing some research into Beowulf as far as like the old English tale it is, could have been right in line with the with the epics uh, of, of the time. Yeah, it actually so, could have been like yeah. awesome. Yeah. Was this, looking back at it now, was it like P.S.? Was it like PlayStation Two, <laughs> PlayStation Three? Definitely PlayStation Three for sure. PS3. It reminded me a lot of like Final Fantasy. Uh, the, the, okay, they have very high fidelity uh, cutscenes and whatnot. Yeah, uh, yeah. But PlayStation, good well. PlayStation Three. <laughs> we're on five now, right? Yeah, we're on five. Okay. we're on five. People can finally get five. So, <laughs> but yeah, this was this was really born from uh, uh, watching uh, Pinocchio with Zemeckis, and 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 like we noted in that mm. review. You know, in the 2000s, he's exclusively doing these type of productions. So the other two being Christmas movies, that's that's what really lands us with Beowulf. So, <laughs> so this obviously following the – just the, the original kind of epic poem, correct? Yeah. Uh, it is a uh, an old English tale. Uh, Beowulf uh, is – is kind of a response in universe why they would go with this now or, or back in 2007. I believe trying to track this back a little bit, it probably was in response to 2006's 300 uh, that they wanted these oh. more action focused fantasy films. Lore kind of as yeah. well. Interesting. Um, and uh, specifically fantasy films that don't have to be this labor of production that they can just kind of be action films. Yeah. And Beowulf is really nothing more than just a, you know, a flashy action film that is fully CGI animated. Okay. So this approach to fantasy, I think it's action first as the backbone. And while the runtime tries to pack in as many badass moments as possible, that really is the sole focus of this film. And many followed in 300 success in just the same way that this is following in 300 success. So uh, understanding this, uh, I, I don't fault the team for making the film. Uh, you know, there is some great talent to the production, including writer Neil Gaiman as well. Uh, but the more I watched it, the less I found I could appreciate <laughs> about the fully animated style. I mean, it really just like, oh. Yeah, it's like watching a video game. A uh, long worse, video game though, cut. It's worse. It's like watching like a gross like I don't know. There's like gross out humor in this. There's like ex- I don't know how this film is rated PG thirteen. Really? Right? Oh yeah, there is excessive amounts of blood. It's always flirting with nudity. Like this film has a fascination with <laughs> with putting their actors and actresses in you know semi nude uh, type of scenarios. How's that? It's animated, I guess. <laughs> right, right. They can get it through. So when I look at this in- entirely CGI animated film, only a, a fraction 
of my criticism is toward the fidelity of the graphics. You know, I, I'm primarily watching this film for how it uses animation as a medium to enhance its storytelling, to enhance the feel of the film and the presentation. Uh, and the focus of the animation here doesn't really enhance any action. I mean, there are some interesting... For instance, there's there's a there's one one of the earliest fights uh, with with the main villain monster. Uh, there's a couple interesting shots that I guess simulate a swinging chandelier. Uh, but these type of creative shots that, frankly speaking, have no no limitations to it. In animation, you know, the the presentation of the screen can be anything. Mm-hmm, yeah. In this film, it just is sh- it, it's shot or it's presented so blandly and so like every other fantasy film and then the story itself being kind of an old english tale guess what a little blah a little blah yeah a little straightforward okay. fantasy you know maybe there's a reason why this wasn't green lit you know back <laughs> in the day or something like that so. huh and it's an hour and 55 too so were you checking your watch no no it, pacing is all right okay this. all right pacing is all right uh, pacing will be a problem i, rev- I revisit later on this week because <laughs> there's some long run times <laughs> okay. this week i had to sit through but yeah, that, that's really my focus, uh, is that the animation doesn't really do anything to enhance the presentation. Instead, the animation seems to be an excuse for gross-out humor, mm. a lot of fake blood that just looks even at lesser quality than the other CGI. Uh, like I said, surprisingly erotic for a PG-13 movie. Um, the amount of times Beowulf strips down butt naked is hysterically... Really? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's Man, I don't kind remember. of a plot point, but... Uh, I don't remember any of this in the film. Yeah, it starts as an excuse. He wants to fight the monster. The monster has no armor, so he has to fight it with no armor. And then two other times, he just strips down naked. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, and you know, like we touched on already, you know, there there was a a huge. I feel back in the day, uh, I don't know if it was word of mouth or actually a marketing push, but Angelina Jolie being semi naked in this huge marketing push, huge. Oh my God. I feel like that was the only draw for this movie back in the yeah. day. So, um, Beowulf, uh, I would say, does have a strength, uh, and uh, the movie that is, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's the cast. You know, we have Anthony Hopkins, John Malkovich, Robin Wright, Angelina Jolie. All of them... Crispin Glover, too, don't forget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is Crispin your boy? Or No, definitely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Beowulf, played by Ray Winston. Or yes. Did you say that right? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I didn't. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't actually recognize him too much, uh, Ray Winston, in, in, in other things that he's done. <clears throat> oh, he's in... Yeah, he's kind of in B movies, uh, but I like okay. him in the movies that he's sure, in, for sure. the most part. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I mean, for what it's worth, this type of concept, I feel, is also an evolution of what we talked about with the tech with Gollum and Andy Serkis, that it's taking this concept of CGI animated mm-hmm. actor actually working on a soundstage. Yeah. And obviously today, this is ultra common when we talk about Marvel or anything like that. That's how they are done now. So there is credit I want to give to the cast. But again, the story itself plays out so, so blah. So, okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was having a hard time being engaged with it. But, hey, uh, if if you're interested in the, the, the good cast here, maybe you're interested yourself to see 2007 Angelina Jolie CGI ass. <laughs> uh, maybe this is uh, something that you can go and return to. Flat out, I don't see a, a big reason to return to this movie. Uh, but there is certainly some noteworthy aspects to it. CGI, the presentation, the animation is not one of those. Yeah, 
And I'm still, uh, let me say this, I'm still plenty curious about watching more of Zemeckis' work, especially between this one uh, being in snack dab in the middle of his, you know, him stumbling into this tech. Yeah. Um, specifically, yeah. maybe Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey after this. You know, was there time for him to maybe develop this style a little bit more that we, you know, have a better presentation to it? Uh, unfortunately, though, I do think Beowulf is a pass for me. We're going to go ahead and give Beowulf 2007 a 31. Mm. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> it's worse than I thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen. That's all right. I mean, that's, that's Give fine. it a watch. You know? <laughs> Looking at the stills, it looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Some, it's weird because sometimes it will be... You know, I, I I can see what reviewers at the time were saying that this was like, oh my god, this is borderline photorealistic. You know, I thought it was amazing when I first saw it. Yeah, saw but, it, it was in a big, big uh, real three D kick too. Oh yeah, and there's the good three D glasses. Yeah, there's definitely some some remnant three D that you can see <laughs> okay, here. Yeah. There's a scene where like a guy points a spear <laughs> to the camera and it hangs on it for like five minutes. Okay. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's not like Spy Kids bad. No, no, no. But I honestly don't knock any film for. Having those three D remnants because if it works in the scene, it works for the scene, you know. So yeah, <laughs> you dude. <laughs> when has it actually enhanced the scene? Right. Uh, okay. All right. So thirty one for Beowulf. <laughs> I'm glad you tackled it. Listen, listen. I, I mean, nothing's more shocked. Okay, let's just move on. <laughs> nothing's more shocking than because the we next have to get to film. this one. <laughs> this is 2015 Spotlight. Um, this film on its own is... We have a vendetta for this film. (laughs) Not a vendetta. I just... It's if a movie could be a thief at the same time. (laughs) That's how I look at this film. This was a thief. This was... This movie is a thief. (laughs) That's great. And was a thief. I'm Um, I'm glad that you're still holding holding the torch so uh, so adamantly. (laughs) The the fan favorite, Mark Ruffalo, with the worst speech in this film. Oh, he's so bad. It's so so bad. bad. And apparently Uh, he worked... I'll tell you what. Set this film up for us here. Okay, first. okay. Well, some know. of my opening notes definitely highlight what we're talking about here, folks. So, I'm going to be honest. Uh, and and, and <laughs> I said, I know Tom, you're on the right page with this. You proved before I even said that that you're on the right page. But uh, we both really hated this movie for a long time because. <laughs> This was the Oscar winner in the same year, or uh, sorry, Best Picture winner uh, in the same year that not only Mad Max Fury Road came out, but The Revenant came out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, both of these films are leagues better than Spotlight, you know? Literally leagues better than Spotlight. Oh, yeah. From uh, on so many levels. I'm not saying that this is a bad film, but I feel like I was a hater of this film for a long time. Uh, and yeah. I, I still kind of am a hater of the film, but I, I wanted to give it its fair shake. You, you watched it uh, pre-Oscars, correct? Uh, yes, but it wasn't rated on our end. So, so. I watched it, no, I watched it post-Oscar. Because once when it won, I was just like, "All right, that's dumb, I need to watch it now. I think, I think. Or when it was nominated, I watched it, but sure. I, I went and walked away and I was just like, are you, are you kidding? freaking kidding me? <laughs> and we know why it won, yeah. all the church stuff, everything right, about right. it. I mean, and it was just, apparently Mark Ruffalo worked mm-hmm. really hard with the actual character he was playing, like the oh, guy really? in real life. Okay. And I even like gave him lines to say, how would you say this? Interesting. But like, he is so aggravating to watch mm. Mark Ruffalo. He is so, the cast is He's, big. Yeah. It's Mark Ruffalo, it's Michael Keaton, who I like in it. Yep. Rachel McAdams, Huge. who I love. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanley Tooch. Yep. So Stanley Tooch. <laughs> I forgot about Stanley Tooch. So it, it's just like I don't know. It, it um, why don't you 
you go ahead and take it. <laughs> He's done with it already. I'm stuttering because I just I know I don't like it, and I think there's so little to be said about it. Well, I'm yeah. annoyed with how big it is. Mm. I'm annoyed that I mean, Revenant should have won Best Picture. <laughs> The flame is alive, folks. Or Mad Max. Yeah, yeah. I or agree. Mad Max. I mean, uh, yeah, I one hundred percent agree. This was with you. the year of Captain Phillips, too, right? No, Captain no, Phillips no, no. was two thousand fourteen. I, I believe so. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, don't get me worked up on Phillips. <laughs> Let's get into it a little bit. At yeah, least. yeah. So, uh, well, the reason why I watched this this week is because we're coming up on a lot of Oscar Beatty type of films, um, both oh. Tar and Armageddon Time, very Oscar Beatty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she said is coming up in the couple of weeks and looks to be identical in how it's gunning for this investigative drama, you know. Uh, Interesting. And how the drama itself is about dancing around the messy topic itself uh, for the entire runtime. You know what I mean? I think, again, spot that hit spotlight perfectly, you know, uh, on, on how it's built and how the tension is built uh, for it. But one we had a feud with, and Spotlight is, you know, just a, a, a tough dice roll. And, and like I said, I was a hater for a long time, but I wanted to give it a fair, fair thought. So this is, <laughs> this, this is that. <laughs> Tom, don't hate me if, I, if I'm even vaguely positive on this film. Uh, Spotlight refers to a small crack investigation team for the Boston Globe. Uh, this is a small team of four, and they are the best of the best. Um, the film does a wonderful job at building them up as a kind of a living legend uh, in their industry. Uh, in between topics for their column, the team begins to look into the Catholic Church and the many reported molestations brushed under the rug in Boston alone, and their kind of focus is just Boston, but obviously grows to be much larger. I would say my favorite aspect of this film is definitely the team focus of Spotlight. Every time they say the name, it kind of holds a certain recognition and a gravity in the film and in the city that they're referencing in. And okay. we never get introduced to Spotlight in a bulky exposition that and this is the crack team and they are the best. You know, it, we, we feel it through the world building. We feel it through the characters referring to it on their own. Do you think it, because it's also it's based on a real story, Spotlight is a real thing? Do you mm-hmm. think that adds to it as well? Sure, there could be a self-congratulatory element that, that oh. Spotlight is, you know, oh, and they got it right, so they are the best. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, I don't mean it like that either. I just mean that because we're dealing with real events, mm-hmm. a, an actual real real investigative team that it, it just carries a little bit more weight yeah. than if we're watching a fictional kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But definitely my 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 praise here is that I enjoyed this team aspect. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the, the team problem solving and specifically as well how this team was built in the world without, you know, telling us they are the crack team. We feel that they are the crack yes. team. Yes, yep. My cra- main criticism to this film, though, is pacing, actually. Uh which is probably going to be an issue for the for all the films we oh, really? <laughs> we cover uh, this I, episode. I, yeah, I didn't realize I mean, it's two hours and nine minutes. Yeah, I didn't realize it was like around two ten. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um. Honestly, the topic of their investigation is is very interesting, but it just drags a bit when most anyone watching knows the outcome. There's not enough within the conflict to keep us engaged. If anything, there's a lot of scenes that progress with the outcome already known to its characters, Mm. and it's just reiterating and reiterating and reiterating. Um, A perfect example is evidence is presented for us uh, in these interview processes, and it's repeated again and again to highlight that these stories are pretty similar. And believe me, I get that there is there is a, a certain conflict. There's a dramatic tension to 
you finding out, hey, uh, there there's similarities in all these cases. You know, there's similarities in in all these different stories. But as that's presented towards us visually, we're just getting beat over the head again and again with the same type of scenes. Yeah. And then content wise, we're also getting beat over the head with the same type of content. And I, I just feel like it, each reveal, each you know, commonplace between stories didn't. Up the esca- it didn't escalate the the stakes or the conflict at all. It was just kind of like, okay, I know where they're gonna go and they're gonna actually solve this. Thing. Yeah, it kind of flattened it. It flattens itself or plateaus a little bit, mm-hmm. and I will say it hurts itself too because it's not a fun subject matter and oh, it's sure. very sad and everything like that. This mm-hmm. isn't a cracked investigation investigative team going mm-hmm. after the mob or anything like sure, that. Sure. You know, this mm-hmm. is not exactly fun content mm-hmm. um, or action in any way. So it, it is just. It's a lot of talking back and forth, yeah. and a lot of it, as you say, is the same. And what's being talked about is not exactly the most thrilling. Yeah, and it's I think very intense. It, yeah. It, yeah, right, right. Uh, it, it, you're you're so right because uh, that's actually why I like Keaton's character the most because he is kind of this Boston local, and he does have a conflict that he feels in, in trying to do this work and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Know? Exactly. I and, think I would actually agree with him. I like seeing him. Yeah. And it's also just a Keaton, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This was 2015. This was, uh, I believe, year after Birdman? Or when, when was Birdman? Uh, you, you might be right about that. Yeah, yeah, it might be. Yeah. So definitely on his his return. So uh, you can kind of feel the Oscar baitiness all over this film as well. It's, mm. it's undeniable. Uh, it's in the somber but curious piano uh, soundtrack by Howard Shore. Uh, it's how the film is shot, very plainly, uh, very investigative. Um, one thing I did enjoy is I enjoyed how 2000s, the news office atmosphere was. Uh, set design, I think, is a big plus here. Uh, and uh, also, you know, some retro icons that are enjoyable. There's there's an AOL ad, for instance. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I give credit to it because back in 2015, that was probably an interesting callback. And, and little things like that, those are not the ads that I criticize so much that – you know, it's for marketing within the movie. That is more so of a world-building piece and puts us in the time period. So uh, without having a line of dialogue t- attached to it, I think that's a good positive for Yeah, me. definitely. So, But it wouldn't be an Oscar film without a actor rundown. Uh, let's talk about it. Mark Ruffalo is just flat-out annoying in this. <laughs> so He's so annoying. I'm 100% with you, Tom, on this. Wow. I mean, I, don't I think care. retroactively I don't, I... after watching this, I like Mark Ruffalo less. I don't care if that's what the real guy sounded like is that really because he has this corner of the mouth thing it's, that i did not understand he's doing something with his lower yeah. jaw and um <laughs> yeah it's just terrible and it's it's horribly annoying yeah. and if that's what the guy actually did in real life it's almost like well for the movie drop it right right because it's annoying. It's annoying and it's I don't, annoying. maybe even like insulting a little bit. <laughs> like his, his performance is less for, you know, is lesser for yeah, this, yeah, this vocal intricacy that he's going for. Terrible. Absolutely so, terrible. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a shame because Ruffalo is very much a lone wolf uh, within the the story of, of Spotlight as a team, but also structured as well in the runtime. Yeah. You know, he finds individual type of things. So we get a lot of get a lot of spotlight <laughs> with <laughs> with uh, with him. And it's uh, it's it's not great. Uh, specifically, you can feel it when he is just turning it up for ward season and when he isn't. And that's where I relate to some of this weird 
this weird acting or method acting he was doing with his with his mouth and, and yeah, just his speech. So what, what he yeah. how he decided to talk is just oh my but god. But that goes out the window when he has to give his soapbox Oscar moment and he's yelling and he's saying, oh, you know, we, this matter. They knew. yeah, exactly. With that type of stuff, it it, it goes off the window. Then so very true. Uh, Michael Keaton is great. Uh, I think his character was a a probably the most enjoyable in the sense that uh, I appreciated his Boston local perspective uh, as the character, and I think that's very important for the for the message of this story. Uh, and Rachel McAdams, very solid. I enjoy her in this kind of investigation role uh, from True Detective season two. Uh, but the sleeper hit in the group is Brian D'Arcy De- James, <laughs> which really, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I enjoyed him a lot. You know, huh. total, you know, total no name uh, in the four, but a great member of the team and and has some great moments. Uh, definitely the uh, what what makes you say, oh, that's my guy <laughs> in, 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 in yeah. the film. You know, it was also wow. the only one, and maybe Rachel McAdams as well. That was just kind of being natural with the subject matter uh, and not using it as a soapbox to get an Oscar nod or something like that. Oh, okay. You know I mean? yeah, On yeah, the yeah. spectrum of Ruffalo to Darcy James. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Wow. That's good to yeah. you know. But um, and and why I return to my love of the team here, we don't really see any one person besides Ruffalo stand out. It takes a team to bring this big topic to light, and uh, you know it was enjoyable for as a format to the story, uh, giving us different reactions to the the topic, giving us different actions to the individuals dealing with this big story. And um, I just I just really enjoyed the format of it there. So my hating aside, this was a very good movie. I strongly stand by my original belief, though. Mad Max and Revenant were, were originals. And while this film is good, this film plays to the role it needed to for the win. We're going to go ahead and give Spotlight a 73. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, it was in the Oscars, and it won the Oscar for Best Picture. So, I mean, 73 is a pretty good score. It is a pretty good score. But it was a, a big movie. movie. I, yes, yeah. I think it's just because we need to... It's not a great movie, We need though. to tamp down the hype. Exactly, exactly. Ruffalo was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Did you I, know that? Thank, thankfully, he didn't win. Yeah, but he was nominated. <laughs> I mean, that's embarrassing for the, them, the Oscars. <laughs> Uh, by the way, Michael Keaton, he's like 71. He looks great for 71. 71? Not in the film, but still. Sure, today. sure, it's like, yeah. He looks so good. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, man, I had something else to say, too. Oh, a movie you might want to check out was a Netflix original called Worth. Oh, okay. And it rides a lot like this. So Michael Keaton plays the main guy, but he plays the lawyer who has to try to find what sum of money is acceptable for the 9-11 victims oh, and their families. Interesting. And one of the main guys um, who was affected by 9-11 mm-hmm. is Stanley Tucci. Oh, Because his okay. wife died in the towers. Oh, really? Well, the characters and everything like that. Right, yeah, right. yeah. So it's kind of, you know, Michael Keaton trying to just go in as a lawyer. He has mm-hmm. to find a heart to connect with the people, mm-hmm. and he needs to get Tucci's acceptance. But it takes on almost this role of just a lot of talking with people back and sure, forth. Sure, sure. And it almost becomes reporter-esque, essentially. Mm-hmm. Maybe something to check out. Yeah. Because Keaton and Tucci are, well, they're good actors. I like both Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Tucci, I definitely have a soft spot for that. Yeah, I, and he has the best show on CNN. Oh, really? Uh, his CNN, yeah. Tucci has a show on CNN? It's season, yeah, it's two seasons now. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. It's just food in Italy. 
No joke. It's just food in Italy. <laughs> they lost Bourdain, and they're like, oh, "Who's the next Italian? <laughs> we gotta get one." But it's great. That's but it's like it, it's each episode is just a little specific spot in Italy. <laughs> That's great. Anyway, That's and great. Tucci's great. But anyway, yeah, check out Worth maybe. Sure. Sure, because I think it would actually be a good kind of double header or uh, double feature. Yeah, maybe uh, even in line with she said coming up. Um, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Okay, all right, Vince. So that's that's seventy three for Spotlight and Ruffalo's. The wor- you know what's funny? <laughs> when did the best Ruffalo ever was was in the um, the wrestling movie, the Foxcatcher? Oh yes, he was. He was good. In Fox. I forget what but year that was. Admittedly, doing weird, weird vocal. Yes, work, I was just going to say that doing weird vocal. I don't stuff. think is his strong suit. You know. What uh, is his strong suit? I don't know. Tell me bad what, Hulk. Tell CGI. me what his <laughs> <laughs> bad mocap. Ruffalo sucks. Um, <laughs> okay, so folks, we just want to remind everybody we're producer supported here. We operate off the value for value model. So, is the podcast valuable to you? Is the website valuable to you? Are you getting more enjoyment from film and movies and everything like that? If you could, you go to the dailyratings.com, you head to the donations tab, and uh, through monetary support, you can send in whatever amount that you want, and you can write in a note, which we'll read, and it just helps us helps keep the show going. Mm-hmm. The notes are a through line to you. And basically, it's also a producer credit to you. We consider you producers, and it's you know a legit producer credit to your name. We value your input too i mean so much of the conversation has really been driven by how you're using the site and how you're enjoying the podcast you know we make it but we want to hear on the impact yeah uh, big time and it's really that's almost an ask us anything too Mm, we don't do tier structures we don't do the patreon where spend this much and whoa we give you a little bit of this and then you spend (laughs) this much and whoa you get it all right right it's all there it's all free everyone you know we are building some stuff not only the site but we have some hopefully some more content coming in the future and everything like that so and that's kind of why it's value for value model it's all there but if you're getting anything could you kick us back some value Mm -hmm. and also most importantly right now too is tell someone about it it would be huge for us tell a friend a family member whatever Mm -hmm. um if you could just propagate the message a little bit get our name out there a lot of people use rotten tomatoes and let's make it so a lot less people use rotten tomatoes (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, it's at dailyratings.com. Again, you go to the donations tab on the top right on mobile. Uh, I have to fix it, but you just scroll all the way down to the bottom of the site. <laughs> you was complaining about this pre-recording. And you, and you click on the support us <laughs> button all the way down to the bottom of the homepage on mobile. There we go. Okay. We supplement with instructions. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's quality content. That's value right there. That's value. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Vince. So we're going to jump. I wasn't expecting three new films. Yeah. yeah. Again, I'm, I'm excited to kind of hear about some of these. Let's start right away. This one is called Tar. And as you said, this is Oscar buzz, apparently. And, oh, yeah. and Kate Blanchett is in it. Yeah. Set this movie up a little bit. Just give us a quick synopsis. What is it? And uh, and had a fair. Absolutely. So uh, Lydia Tarr, uh, one of the greatest composers of our time, but don't be intimidated by the lack of background knowledge, folks. She is an entirely fictional character that this film portrays as real. Um, the film kind of has a game uh, in itself to try to make you feel that this character is as real as possible. And one of the major accomplishments of this film is selling the idea, the character as real, even though it is all fiction. Uh, And I feel the film is successful at doing that, even though I I do have a lot of gripes with this film, unfortunately. Okay. Um, uh, This film is getting almost universal praise, and I was very excited to watch it because I was kind of looking for a frontrunner this year uh, for Oscar talk and whatnot. Uh, I'll get into Blanchett's performance, but I think it's phenomenal. 
Uh, oh, okay, I good, just good. really don't like the story, and I really don't like the runtime on this. So much so, so much so that it really sinks the film. Yeah, it's two hours and thirty-eight. Yeah, which I think yeah. is more than All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> All God. Quiet was ten minutes shorter. And then we had Black Panther two forty. Holy uh, shit! Oh, oh yeah, God. yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. So is this just a? He- <laughs> it's a watching hours <laughs> this week. Is it a heavy story, and uh, just to be that long, or, or? no? If anything, the story is very melancholy. You know, uh, I, I, I just want to say that even knowing the truth that there is that she is fiction, uh, that this composer character Lydia Tarr is not real, mm-hmm. the film will will be su- will do such a good job at selling the idea of this and selling it to such a real kind of modern biopic type of story, almost doc- documentary even, that you find yourself even questioning. I found myself questioning, wait, are you sure she's not real? Is it maybe wow. inspired by someone? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a there's a very interesting real fantasy that is kind of sold here. And uh, I want to give credit I to I mean, that's it. impressive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Kate Blanchett uh, delivers, I would say, you know, a v- hyper demanding script uh, with constant switches in language. You know, I had I had issues with this film, but really, it might be the single best performance for Blanchett to date, uh, and that's why wow. I think this easily has my Oscar pick as far as best supporting, uh, or I'm sorry, best actress uh, this year. Um, yeah, I mean, well, what else would it be? Exactly. I, I, don't, I don't see a lot of front runners, but this not only was phenomenal, but... Uh, and I know you're a fan of Blanchett, uh, or at least in... in... Huge, no, no, no. Huge fan of Blanchett. Okay. Like, it's very good to hear. Mm-hmm. Because lately, I don't think... I, I don't feel like we've been getting a whole lot. Yeah. As far as yeah. good, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we ripped into her. I ripped into her. Oh, uh, with the ocean. Uh, the ocean special. <laughs> yeah. And rightfully so. That's why I said, uh, I don't know if he is a fan <laughs> anymore, but... <laughs> no, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's... Like you said, she is the. What What do you think the percentage of her on screen is? Oh, it's all her. Uh, wow, one hundred percent her. So it's a long movie. It is a long movie, uh, and I'll get into. And I'm, I'm coming in very positive because there's a lot to be positive about. Uh, I'll definitely get into some of my negative in in a bit. But uh, let me let me focus on Blanchett because she is you know stellar in this. Um, she is able to keep up with deep, deep, highbrow dialogue around. Uh, you know orchestral technical speak, the uh, classical music industry, uh, music history, music theory. Mm, okay. It, my praise here is that it both comes off as deeply technical and deeply highbrow, but also realistic and believable, which is definitely the balancing act. You can make a hyper-technical script, but the dialogue is not going to deliver it well. Guess what? Oh, for it's sure. It's not going to oh, sell. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It's going to feel like prescribed to the actor. But uh, Blanchett, I believe, why the praise is worthy to be given to her is that she's able to sell it. She's really able to live this character. And again, there's this kind of meta quality that is this character real? Is it not? It kind of sells its own idea Hmm. constantly. Not an easy thing to do. Uh, You can write whatever you want, but if it's not coming out natural and realistic, again, like I said, that's going to be prescribed to the actors. Um, Extremely highbrow. And and I I bring this up as well because in watching it, this may not be a lot of people's bag. There are no training wheels to us jumping into the classical music industry, technical talk around composing, high society, you know, who consumes the type of upper echelon that consumes this type of music. Add this uh, all on top of juggling multiple languages, most notably German. Uh, Blanchett oh, wow. is doing a tremendous job in juggling, I think, at least a good three to four languages here uh, in this performance. Really? Yeah. And weaves in and out because she's dealing with, you know, 
such interesting characters. And, and, wow, you know, interesting. Yeah. yeah. The story itself, we have this this melancholy tone to the story of self, and this is where, unfortunately, I, I have to move into more criticisms because it is a very big movie, and it's a little boring to a lot boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I have a serious problem with, once again, pacing this week. There is a, there is a real mishandling of the runtime and they have all this runtime yeah. and the ending is 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 rushed uh, believe it or not so a little difficult to, for me to review because i was so immensely positive on blanchett's performance here and and worth a watch for everyone but the story itself i i was uh, i'll tell you what tom i mean how this film actually made me feel and how much I enjoyed the story, I, w- I was willing to give this in the 40s, you know. I was oh, really wow. kind of coming out and just like, the whole thing is ruined because of this, you know. Was it, did, did it feel like it was wasting your time because at the end of it so much wasn't important whatsoever? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's tough because we have this a very slow, melancholy tone mm-hmm. for, I'm talking up until the last 20 minutes of the film. Okay. And then the last 20 minutes jump weeks at a time almost in montage type of format and we get this hyper condensed closing chapter to the story that one is immensely unsatisfying two i strongly believe this does not hit on the tone or the message of what the film wants to deliver about power dynamics and i'll talk a little bit about that in a second Mm -hmm. and three it's just it's just really unfulfilling (laughs) it's just extremely unfulfilling to have this long ass movie and then guess what? We have to now rush our ending. You you don't think you could have s- split it out a little bit more? Literally, you know? yeah, yeah. Just make it a little bit more exciting yeah. and split that time up. Absolutely. So I, I thought it was just unfortunately very mishandled uh, on on pacing and structure. Of Were the you film. picking up anything as far as the film itself being a musical piece? Mm. That's very interesting. Um, potentially. Okay. Potentially. Uh, maybe maybe that's also a little bit of my lack of expertise as well uh, with uh, you know the many classical pieces that are being referenced and uh, the, the the high technical vocabulary that's being thrown out hmm. there for this classical music world to it around composing around everything like that. Right. Props. Uh, where did this director come from? Do we know him from much? Uh, Todd I, Field. Todd right? Field. He's done some stuff, but no, oh. I I really didn't have a lot of experience with him. So I mean, you know. Uh, I don't want to be so critical because clearly he was able to connect with Blanchett in such a significant way. But, but yeah, uh, we uh, story wise, we are focusing on Lydia Tarr, reflecting on her creative peak of her career, and living throughout a kind of melancholy as she finds her way to her next piece that she's going to compose. Uh, during this time, we see all different types of professionals in the industry. You know, very slowly we understand Tarr, not by our lens being on tar directly we find out more about her through her relationships uh and everyone just wants to kind of use each other uh everyone is just trying to get to a higher level okay and tar is the one who's kind of done it most successfully as well so we have people kind of just almost even mimicking tar uh the story has a very critical look at power dynamics uh in rising to fame whether it's in the sphere of high society classical music or whether it's in kind of a more cancel culture type of how that that can turn into backlash for Mm -hmm. someone famous. 
uh, and it attempts to apply this criticism to all positions of power, uh, and, and that's really the focus of the story. Uh, Blanchett's acting is truly great, but the story of ambition is conveyed very weakly and paced extremely poorly. I, I would just say this film is just flat out way too long. Man, I was checking my clock. You know, I you really checking your watch I on this one. Really was. You know, I mean, to so, the point that I wasn't even going down to for for notes. <laughs> you know, what I mean? <laughs> uh, it was a lot. So, what's the deal with? I mean, I. Hmm. It sounds like this. It's exactly what it was supposed to be, though. Did that add? Like, if it was a shorter story, would it almost be worse or no? Uh, you know what I mean? I don't have a problem with the length. And, and if anything, I enjoyed, you know, like kind of the sad melancholy. You know what I mean? Yeah. My problem was with, you know, just how it's paced. You know, I enjoy the tone of the film. The problem is we spend all this time building this melancholy atmosphere. And then the last 30 minutes of the film is rushed at breakneck speeds. Uh, and I kid you not, the conclusion of the film, time jumps weeks at a time yeah, in the story. Yeah. And it breezes over everything we've built towards. Yes, in breezing over these moments, does that play maybe into how important you know Tar's career is at a certain point? Sure. There's definitely a tone in the film that artists have some time in the sun and then they're done. Uh, but boy, is it immensely unsatisfying, for, especially for a character and actress that we are so attached to through the effort of her acting alone. It feels like the ending of this film robs even Blanchett, no less the audience. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's why I was so angry. Frust- yeah, I was going to yeah. say, like, frustrated. Yeah. I really was, because uh, I could see where all the universal praise was in pieces of this film, but the backbone of the film I really had a problem with. Yeah. So. Well, also, and just the buy-in itself. Mm-hmm. You put your time in and paid attention, and then it's just like, <laughs> right. the payoff wasn't quite there because it was rushed <laughs> exactly, on you. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Just naturally, how any conclusion is, you're going to want to see those moments. Those are what we're building up the whole runtime for. Right, right. And to have that as unsatisfactory uh, or, or unsatisfying uh, and feeling rushed is just like, wh- well, why did I say, I mean, if you're going to rush it, make it a two-hour film and keep the same right. type of rush at the end. Don't make us wait for, you know, two hours plus until that moment. Because it's one of those that I would, I would say, yeah, you, I mean, if you like Kate Blanchett, you know, go watch it. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I didn't really like the film. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, originally, like I said, I was originally going to be much, much harsher on this film. But uh, upon reflection, I think Blanchett's performance here is huge. And just how maybe even times in the past, I can't really call a specific review, but where I've said, hey, this is your time with one actor in their best moments, this very well might be Blanchett's. So it's it's hard to maybe balance that for the ratings itself, but she really does kill it here, and I think that itself is worth a watch. You know, the role alone is able to save the film, and very excited to see what Blanchett is able to get you know nominated for come, come uh, award season. We're going to go ahead and give Tar a 66. Okay, oh wow, 66, not that mm-hmm. not bad. I mean, and if you're thinking this might be her Oscar nom or Oscar win, Mm -hmm. then I mean, I feel like it is necessary to watch. Yeah. yeah. You know, not that we live and die on the Oscars, but if it's that good, you know, I feel like you give it a watch. It just sucks that you got to stick through for 
238 for maybe something that's not so yeah. exciting, not yeah. electric, and mm-hmm. not all quite there. Yeah, you know? exactly. I feel like that uh, just how, just how I'm a contrarian with with scores on like superhero movies and whatnot. I go much lower than than what probably people expect me to. Well, with these Oscar baby films, I mean, you know, Tara in the 90s across the board uh, for for people's reception of this film. Yeah, and to your point, it just can't be because the lead actor or actress is that. Like mm-hmm. the story needs to back it up. There yeah. needs to be something there. If you're going to be in the 90s, yeah, you know, I understand it's not 90s for us. Mm-hmm. You know, Rotten Tomatoes 90s is pretty loose, <laughs> yeah. but oh, still, yeah, it should loose. be a little bit some more standards than just that. But yeah. all right, so so 66 for Tar, and if you're into Blanchett, give it a watch. And if anything, I'm excited to hear from anyone that is a huge Blanchett fan. I mean, yourself and yourself included. Yeah, too. and I will say, uh, where did you see this? AMC. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's I would go see it soon because it's really shrinking in theaters. Yeah, uh, it just went from a thousand uh, or le- about eleven hundred theaters down to three sixty. Wow. Okay, so maybe so maybe it's coming. Maybe it's unrealistic. Because it, yeah, it technically <laughs> came, yeah, it technically came out over a month ago. Yeah, it was in early it, October. In like four theaters. Also, and then, then it was thirty six theaters. Then it was one hundred forty one. Mm-hmm. And but the big release was around October twenty eighth. So yeah, yeah, this was also identical to uh, the movie Till. Uh, I originally had ah. that set for October releases. You know, within you know our spooky month. Uh, but uh, again, kind of had a weird release schedule. Uh, was pushed uh, later than when its technical release was. Okay, all right. So let's go to another movie that's now playing. That's also doing poor in the theaters. This is. Armageddon time, as you say, again, I mean, this is another Oscar push, like you were oh, kind of saying. Oh, yeah, for sure. What do we get? It's a big cast, because you have Anthony Hopkins, you have Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong. Kind of break this down a little bit. What do we get here? Sure. So, uh, writer-director James Gray, back with uh, a new feature film after 2019's Ad Astra, uh, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Oh. A little bit odd that, uh, you know, he goes from a hardcore sci-fi like Ad Astra, you know, almost like real nuts and bolts type of science fiction. Uh, and was surprised that, you know, looking back at his filmography, he's touched on many different genres. So, you know, you ask him, Tom, what's after a sci-fi? Well, he's going to do a coming-of-age family drama. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's what Armageddon Time is. It's very much in the line of what is hot now in theaters. Uh, you look at Belfast of last year. Ah, yeah. Uh, you look at Come On, Come On. I was going to say, mm-hmm. which was in the 80s. Oh, for sure. For yeah, sure. you were a fan of that one. Yeah. Uh, you look at uh, coming out uh, The Fablemans. I think it's called The Fablemans. Yeah, you look at The Fablemans. Uh, all of them, they are following in suit. They want to do these like hardcore, not hardcore, but these these mature family dramas. Well, And uh, so far, for the most part, hitting pretty well. Yeah, I would say so. People are very nostalgic about these things. Yeah. Uh, well, and just, I mean, you like Belfast. I did. You really like Come On, Come On. I did. What do we get here? A mixed bag. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. Uh, I would say uh, I'm most in love with the setting. Uh, the setting is 1980s uh, in the borough of Queens. And there's a huge amount of work creating a, a hyper-authentic feel to the city. The feel of world building has been the focus, kind of a mini focus within this week. And I would say this movie keeps up with my praise here. Um, the, the movie does a really do- good job at making us feel not only in 1980s, 
not in like a phony, oh, you just hear an 80s music and whatnot. You, f- you feel it in, in mindset, you feel it in characters, uh, and you feel it in, in the media that they consume, uh, much more than just music. It's television, it's, you know, it's newscast, it's things like that. Okay, that. That's, that's cool. Um, we follow a Jewish family during this time that is kind of coming to terms with changes in their lives. Most of all, this falls on the shoulders of their youngest child in the family, Paul, played by child actor Banks Repetta, I believe. It's Repetta or Repetta. Yeah, uh, yeah, it looks about right. Yeah, uh, apparently he was in um, uh, the Black Phone. Yes, apparently he was in Black Phone. I, I don't recognize him though. So okay, there was a lot of kids there. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and going back to Black Phone, kids were not one of the one of the few praises of the film. So. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, there is just not great dialogue for a movie about dialogue. Um, one of these early one of the early catches I kind of built on while watching the movie is that despite it being 1980s New York in setting there's very minimal accent work and I'm not saying that people you know I want people to say hey well watch the way you go you know right, right, I don't right. I don't want it to be excessive like that yeah, but, but it's still Queens yeah exactly it, it just felt like no one was doing accent work and I was like <laughs> oh, a, little, a little bit odd and uh, unfortunately, the script is so overbearing uh, that actors honestly can't help but fall into a checklist of topics for the story. Um, the many kid performances remind me of Come On, Come On, uh, where they are such characters that realism really isn't the focus mm. at all. They are, they are, they are hyper characters, and in that, the, the criticism of kid acting is a little bit skewed it's a little bit different because they're they're trying to be maybe a little bit annoying in ways and they're trying to maybe be ultra hyper and things like that uh it's also a very cute movie i would say uh most of that falls on uh repetta's performance so there's a great daydreaming sequence that they're in the um i forget the 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 museum the guggenheimer or something like that uh in, in manhattan he has a just a fun daydream sequence that his his art piece his like crappy uh, superhero drawings are being like heralded as as one of the best art pieces in the whole museum so there's cute moments in this and i i think there's a lot of cute ways that imagination kind of plays into that Uh, unfortunately that's really not the focus of the story and um the story definitely has a focus like i said if anything the script was robbing me of the experience here because it felt like actors had a hit list and they had to hit on these points to kind of oh, shove okay. it down your throat okay. a little bit. It was again Oscar baby. Uh, you know, what I mean, I don't like yeah. using that term, but it's a thing though. Yeah, like it, it, it totally and absolutely. Is. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Anthony Hopkins is my last note, with maybe the exception of some of that criticism. Anthony Hopkins, once again, is kind of just doing his own thing. He's certainly not a New Yorker in this, right? But he's also excellent because it feels like <laughs> just an interview with Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> He's like he's just like calling to like old stories and singing like you know old like Irish hymns and things like that. That's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, who doesn't like to see old Anthony Hopkins exactly. on screen? Yeah, uh, that's all right. So uh, uh, interesting, uh, and and definitely if you like Anthony Hopkins, you know it, he was he was really good in this. Well, how is Jeremy Strong? Strong's all right. Okay. <laughs> Everyone else is honestly just all right because I think it's not because of the performances, it's because of the script, really. Like nothing's there for them to work. They, yeah. they have nothing to work on. Okay. Yeah. The story's dramatic salt is highlighting systemic equality, inequality, primarily in, in the school system. We have our Jewish family, and then we also have a black family in the focus, and we see how the prejudice kind of affects both differently. Constantly, the two young friends are put in positions where privileges examined throughout the film. And almost like chapter marks, 
the film has these moments building in stakes as as the runtime goes along. We have almost a check-in with his friend, or Paul's friend. Sometimes it's very balanced. It's balanced well into dialogue. At best, it's balanced into the world building itself. That's really at its peak. Other times, though, uh, at worst, it, it it is delivered like a sledgehammer. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, in no way would characters, specifically children, say certain lines. It's just, oh. it strips me from it. It's frustrating. It kind of destroyed the very natural rhythm the film had. Um, so, really, did you know if he, did he write at Astra? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a writer-director, for sure. Okay. He, he, he pens and then he he, he directs. Because I mean, you really would say that so much comes out of the script then with this. Oh yeah, like just a bunch just on the screen, right? Absolutely. Hmm. And I feel like his filmmaking was quite admirable here. Again, the world building is clearly his yeah, it was vision. nice. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe it's just that split his focus too much. Maybe it's a simple factor that we have. You know, you need to kind of work to your expertise. Yeah. Obviously, he's strong in writing, but. You know, have a second writer there if you are going to be directing as well. You know, it's like a director that stars as an actor in his right. own Right, yeah, film. yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, other times, like I said, a sledgehammer. <laughs> it is put down your throat. Uh, I think the worst of this comes from Paul's family dinner sequences, which, um, where the film kind of tries an overlapping group talk, uh, similar to what we focused on with Coherence, mm-hmm. uh, but fails at it yeah. immensely because the whole table goes quiet or the sound focuses away when one character is delivering something specific to the message or the tone that they're trying to get across. That is not how you do that type of group talk. The, the very fact that it's right. all overlapping and you're there to kind of pick it up naturally, not be focused in on it. Yeah, it's very um, manufactured. Exactly. Yeah, this, yeah. Exactly. Even, even how the characters talk, again... Uh, you will have them being talk talk naturally. We'll have them talk in a in a in a parental way, and I think the coming of age aspect of this is probably most notable. Uh, but then, out of nowhere, you know, we have this kind of parasocial economic commentary from a character, and some of them work well in the continuity of the of the of the film. Others, in no way, would children. In no way, would a character talk like this in 1980, and it strips me out of it. It's uh, it's a little tough, and I, like I said, I can't fault the performances itself too much. I think it's it squarely falls on the writing, and I just think out of the two roles Gray is filling, filmmaking was the strong suit, and the writing suffers by the balancing act. Like I said in the beginning, much like the recent Best Picture winner Coda, this film belongs to the emerging genre of family mature drama, and don't get me wrong. This film is leagues better than Coda. <laughs> the Disney Channel, you know, I don't even, I still am in disbelief that that won, you know. <laughs> well, oh, but yeah, actually. Yeah. Worse than Spotlight. Yeah, really. honestly, yeah. All these films, they suffer when the narrative is primarily on the kid actor's shoulders to deliver it. You know, that is on full display here, and there's a lot of this sociological perspective that the film tries to offer, a good message as well, but far too aware it's giving the message and far too manipulative in who is giving the message uh, throughout the actor's roles. We're going to go ahead and give Armageddon Time a 69. Okay. Good, you know, a lot of these films, good in a lot of ways, rough in a lot of ways too. I feel like with these films, it's... Um, you know, I have to almost prove a reason why it's not so high up in the scores like everyone is praising it to be. So is this being praised that much? I think so. Uh, I think it's definitely, I mean, you put Hopkins in a film 
that he cries. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? It's <laughs> <laughs> um, another one, folks. You're going to want to go see it soon. It might be out of theaters <laughs> shortly. It's going to be kicked out. These movies are not making money. Yeah. Now, I believe Armageddon Time was initially a, a Cannes release, uh, Cannes Film Festival release. Okay. Uh, and that's why we're getting some of this. And and who knows? Just like last year, there may be kind of a second or a third life in this case uh, on some of these films when, when and if they get uh, you know nominated. You know. Oh, very true. Mm-hmm. If the nomination comes, right. could you really see this getting nominated? What would this getting nominated for? Like what would screenplay? Be- the yeah. shitty screenplay. <laughs> I mean, pe- you know, the people are gonna they're gonna think that it's it's natural because it has a social message wow. to give, but That'd no, be no respect to. <laughs> I mean, the one through line to that review was that the screenplay was bad. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think people are going to kind of fall for it, though. I don't know. Maybe oh, that's probably. Me. It's the Oscars. Maybe that's me being a little bit too rough. Cause probably not. It, I mean, look, Coda won. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Well, perfect point. Yeah. And Spotlight won. <laughs> you know? And Armageddon Time's going to win. <laughs> no, I'm All right. Um, maybe this will win. Actually. Uh, who knows? It might It, it might, might be win the it first all. like Marvel thing. Okay. It might win it all. All right, folks. So we're going to finish this up here. This is the big blockbuster out. This is Black Panther Wakanda Forever, directed by Ryan Coogler. Um, <laughs> Why you got to say it like that? What is the... How is returning to this IP? Obviously, Chido... Uh, <laughs> Let me try again. Chitta Chittawa some some. Stop. Who's the one who died? Who's the guy? Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> Chittawa. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of somebody else. <laughs> Who's our main peeps here? Who are we dealing uh, with? so yeah, this is <laughs> let me let me let me maybe run this back <laughs> totally a bit did. different. <laughs> Derailed it right away. I know, yeah. Uh the original Black Panther was was a pretty decent film. <laughs> Uh, I give it a seventy-four. I wasn't. I wasn't gonna watch it's it. Pretty again. good. Yeah, it was a pretty good film. It, honestly, the original Black Panther was like um, uh, the Marvel MCU take on on like a James Bond type of format. Uh, it was very jet set. Okay, you know. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it really was the highlight at the time for the MCU for a lot of reasons. Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, uh, had immediate star power on screen. I would say bringing a lot of non MCU fans. Uh, Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan. Uh, remains one of the best well-written villains of the entire MCU. Uh, And really, really great stuff in there. Uh, And I would say even as a negative, the movie highlights the problem in CGI quality that hurts the Mm. Disney Marvel pipeline to today. So again, that first Black Panther is a very interesting film to watch for a variety of reasons. Um, But there is a huge task. Uh, Director Ryan Coogler had to take on in losing Bozeman uh, as his lead. This reminded me a lot of the gap Christopher Nolan had to fill when losing Heath Ledger uh, and the scramble to switch tracks in storytelling. Apparently, the script was already done by the time. I mean, they weren't done. They weren't doing uh, shooting, but uh, the script was fully done uh, when when obviously the news broke. uh, And yeah, you know, I mean, I I don't envy the team having to pivot so hard in the story and and clearly a story that probably their their original draft they were pretty excited about uh, too. Yeah, it's interesting. That's good that he had control. He was also, he wrote the first one as well. Mm -hmm. And then for him to be writing the second one, at least he has full control kind of. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That matters. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're going to have to do a hard pivot, it's still, it's his imagination going. It's, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? He's not, doesn't have to go through not multiple hoops, basically. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, this is in both good and bad ways. The 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 bottom line here, this is not 
a Marvel movie. <laughs> I mean, it is a Marvel movie. Huh. It does not have the problems of a Marvel movie. Cringy comedy, bad CGI. Not a film. Not a not a movie that has those issues. Uh, doesn't doesn't really fit into oh you see which scenes are plugging the rest of the MCU yeah yeah, yeah. doesn't really have that problem this, oh, that, these are all good things those are three good things three very good things the film is two hours and forty minutes though and it's a superhero movie yeah, okay, and that's a right. very bad thing <laughs> this there's there's not a lot for this movie to say and certainly in no way has to be two hours and 40 minutes. I watched this with my buddy Dave, or our buddy Dave, uh, and uh, he goes, three hours for what? The guy isn't even in it. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, he's got a good point there. (laughs) He's got a really good point there. Why is it three hours if the guy isn't even in it? I straight up felt bad for the kids in the audience. (laughs) This is not a fun movie. This is not, this is a movie about mourning, the opening sequences huh. immediately put Bozeman, you know, that, that he's passed away. I thought for a little bit that, especially with Black Panther as a character, he has a fully sealed mask. So mm-hmm. I thought they were, oh, it's Marvel, Marvel uh, CGI. They're just going to have like a first hour CGI. No, no. Uh, opening sequences are, are Bozeman passing. So it's very sad. The, all these characters are, are mourning for the entirety of the film. That's a little bit much for, th- for two, 248. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, and, and believe me, I, I like this approach. You know, I, I do something new. It's, I mean, it's what we always say, do something new with, uh, with Marvel. I, yeah. I mean, I would rather take sad and, like, morose kind of... Mm-hmm superhero than typical jokey oh, Marvel. Yeah. I mean, I, I, at this point, give me anything but. You know absolutely. What I mean? Absolutely. But did it pick up where it needed to? Did it have action where there should have been? No. It was just straight. <clears throat> it, it This this is like one-fifth action. Uh, it, it really is, I can't even call it a superhero action film. It's almost like, uh, I, I would describe this film as a send-off to Chad McBoseman as a film. Uh, really? Yeah, it's it's really like in honor of him, and that's okay because I I like Chadwick as an actor. It's obviously tragic the story of this, but almost there, you know. I mean, again, it 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 is failing in different ways that a Marvel film would not fail. And at that point, I'm just kind of saying, well, I mean, well, it is still trying to be this close to Phase Four for MCU. I mean, right, right. Who really gives a crap about MCU? It was, oh, I'm sorry, or Phase Four. It's been, uh, you know, an absolute dumpster fire uh, that we've commented almost on every one of these films that there's there's no direction and there's no, you know, <laughs> where are we going with this stuff? This film does a, a, a poor job at closing that out because of its focus. So would you have liked to see kind of, okay, if it's going to be two hours and 40 minutes, kind of one-third mm-hmm. morning? And then all of a sudden, okay, Absol- we're back in things now mm-hmm. and still make something unique and, and different. Yeah, absolutely. You know? uh, there's got to be a balance to it. And yeah. and some of my criticism of the action is this one-fifth action, what action is there. Yeah. The action and specifically the choreography are very poor. Uh, it does not. Oh, really? Yeah, it does not even have the problems of MCU kung fu. Like, it's just, it's just bad. How was choreography continuity. in the first one with him? Much better because uh, a lot of, there's a lot of set pieces of that he has to he has to be fighting uh, Black Panther he has to fight among you know uh, to prove his his rightfulness to to get the uh, the Black Panther flower or I forget what it is so okay. <laughs> I'm running out of uh, out of patience I really wonder what a couple more years into this how much patience I will have to spew the the comic book knowledge. 
<laughs> at all. Like, I may not be interested at all in talking about it. I, I mean, it gets to a point you talk about one, you talk about all of them. Yeah, for real. Um, so what's there to gain here? You know, I well, mean, it, is it good that you watch this still? I, I think I think it's a movie for people that really love Bozeman. I think it's a movie that people really love Black Panther. I think it's so. A, is Black Panther is it important to watch it for Black Panther, um, or is it really that Bozwick heavy? I mean, it's kind of both. You know, um, I can't wait to see the third one. I'm interested to see Black Panther three now. Is there? I don't know if there will be a Black Panther. 3. I'm sure there's going to be Black yeah, Panther three. Probably. Just watch the box office. Yeah, probably. But you know what I mean. So okay, so we have. Because if one was such a hit, two is sad, and then th- maybe three is what you were looking for halfway through of this sure, film, if sure. you can picture that. <laughs> right, right. Who knows? And don't get me wrong. I like, you know, uh, this kind of mournful tone to an extent. Endgame is probably my favorite out of all these films. And yeah, that, it can't be the whole film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that nowhere is near the whole film, but I really did like the mourning tone. It's, it's handled in a, in a very appropriate way uh, in, the, in the first in the first part of this film, but then continues to be the only tone the, the film juggles. To have a big, sad, slow movie come out to close Phase 4 for MCU is just a bit tough, and I, I felt this movie was very boring and just did not justify its runtime. And again, like I said, I kind of felt bad for some of the kids in the, in the theater because they were expecting, you know, like this fun, you know... Uh, Black Panther is an icon now. Uh, yeah, no, this is <laughs> not that movie. Our, our story is around the nation of Wakanda mourning, again, the loss of their beloved T'Challa. Equally, the absence of their protector, the Black Panther. So this kind of creates an interesting kind of... Um, uh, it invites forces to be eyeing up Wakanda as a nation to say, oh, they don't have a protector. We're now is the time to strike. Namely, the governments of the world looking to seize the ever-valuable vibranium, which is definitely on the top ten of most idiotic MacGuffins that you can... You know, yeah, vibranium, yeah. it's a step below uh, unobtainium for Avatar. Unobtainium is so. the worst. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, the yeah. absolute, the ultimate example. But Wakanda's biggest threat uh, looms below uh, as the next MC villain up, uh, MCU villain up is uh, Namor, leader of an aquatic army with their own vibranium to boot. Uh, Namor is a good villain. I would say that's that's a positive here. Okay. Uh, Namor, aka the Submariner, uh, is a mutant. So there is some connection to both X Men and Fantastic Four that they're building there. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, he has a kind of a good and bad role in comics that he's played for a long time. He's also like a super old character, like one of the first Marvel comic book characters. Period. And unfortunately, you can kind of summarize him to be Marvel's Aquaman because <laughs> that's but what like, he is. Okay. Uh, he's evil, basically evil Aquaman. Anti-hero Aquaman. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, he's not exactly evil, but he's like he's an old like ancient ruler. Like he's just going to be evil by the nature of him not agreeing morally with and how he, things should be and done. And he's within uh, I don't want to ask too much. I don't want to give stuff away. Oh, okay, go for it. Um but he's in within the Wakanda like safeguards. He's in the water. Uh no 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 he's uh he he rules the rules all the oceans oh so, oh 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 he's yep. okay yeah he's not in that protected land where you have to no go. Okay. no no yeah and, and and I think this this civilization versus civilization conflict is probably what I most enjoy about this film because we don't have a central hero for a lot of the film mm. uh, it's bouncing around again to this mournful tone uh, for how everyone's kind of dealing with the loss of their of their loved one and Black Panther. 
but um, but yeah, I kind of enjoyed these. It was it was kind of nation versus nation, uh, and that was oh, kind okay. of that was kind of interesting. You know, once again, not Marvel in any sort of way. Yeah, this was a Ryan Coogler film, <laughs> which is good and and but but just kind of a little bad in execution. <laughs> They, uh, you know, kind of have a similar self-sustaining method. You know, they've stayed away from the meddling of men uh, on the surface. Uh, and they've been doing that because of the technology. So, much in line with the first film, Namor's motivations as a villain are well explained and logical. And uh, I really enjoyed the performance here. I, I might butcher the name uh, Tanakh uh, Huerta, I believe his name is. Well, that's uh, a lot better than what I was oh. <laughs> Because I was looking at Go it, ahead, I was like, I don't even shot. know how to do it. <laughs> I think you're good. I think you're good. Tanakh Huerta. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Uh, yeah, we don't really know him very much. No, no, yeah. yeah. But he did a good job, and I and I like the kind of the Aztec stylings to Namor, which is entirely new to the character as well. Oh, like but, not representative of the comics? Is that what you um, mean? Yeah, but in a good way. Uh, okay. Namor has also existed for like decades upon decades, so you can do something new with the character, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with the remix of it, basically. Okay. But that's really where my praise ends, because like I said, it is a slog to get through. Uh, like I said already, fights of the film take a big back seat. Action and choreography was just not hitting for me at all. Uh, and I thought the little that we get from fight sequences was a serious step backwards. And I mean a serious step backwards. There are these idiotic water grenades <laughs> that are like way overused in the film, <laughs> and, and, and Namor's forces uses uses these water grenades, and the you can just feel that they are just jumping through set piece after set piece to make these water grenades actually threatening. Like in no way are these water grenades threatening. You know, it's like being in the splash zone at Sea World. That's the effect here. You know, it is not a lethal grenade. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, the film also wants to be taken much more seriously. Um, uh, I actually like the composer here, Ludwig Gorson, I think his name. Uh, we we touched on him with Turning Red, and uh, he did Tenant, and he's really on the rise. Tenant um, was pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As far as the sound goes, this uh, Gorson is is really on the rise as far as the talent. Um, he also, uh, of course, made the very iconic Mandalorian theme, uh, which I think uh, anyone that watches the show is 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 in love with. So. Absence of music in scenes conveys a lot. The film is definitely trying to be taken seriously, but the logic of the film isn't there to catch it up. The, the serious tone feels appropriate for the first half, but when it gets it, when it gets to that two-hour mark, it's flat-out exhausting. I'm done with the film. Really? I'm done with the film, yeah. Like, I was just like, okay, please. Please, God, let this end. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Maybe that's a little dramatic. It's like a two-hour and 40-minute funeral. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and and yeah, you have the, the small sprinkling of action not pay off or not even be visually like a, a breath of fresh air <laughs> for the film. Yeah, it was it's just, just like. It's, it's doubly bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said, I'll, I'll end with saying this. In no way does this film have the usual Marvel problems. Like I opened up, there, there's no cringy jokes there's no bad CGI. There's, I mean, there's CGI, but it's not like it's not bad. Not like, if anything, Black Panther one has that terrible sequence uh, that they're fighting on the railways. Mm. It's it's, it's probably some of the worst CGI Marvel <laughs> has put out. So, it's very interesting that I came to this film thinking I would have the usual rap sheet with Marvel, and I be I was totally completely wrong. But unfortunately, it still stumbles in a big way and uh, I don't find the film 
uh, too important to watch for MCU continuity. Certainly a weak ending to Phase 4. And, uh, like I said, I mean, not not something that is really fun to watch for the family or, or kids to, to bring along to. You know what I mean? You know, maybe if your and- kid's really sad about Bozeman dying, you know, he's curious, you know, yeah. who's going to be Black Panther? You know, that's where you watch this film, I guess. It, it's weird to have a two hour and 40 minute movie where yeah. it's just all send off to this guy that really mm-hmm. was in this role for like one movie. Yeah. Like yeah. It, and Black Panther was a big movie. It was one of the best grossing for Marvel. Oh, for sure. I mean, sure. it did unbelievably well. Yeah. But it's, again, it's weird to dedicate so much time. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all. It would be like if the. Uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns was, or I'm sorry, Dark Knight Rises was all about, like, Ledger in a weird way. Right. You know what I mean? Or if they did an Iron Man 4 when it was all about... Oh, sure. Like, let's just say Tony Stark's dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, you know what I mean? But yeah. that you could see because Iron Man, it, it's what built the MCU yeah, universe as exactly. far as the film. I don't know. It's 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 a lot of dedication. Not saying he wasn't a good actor. Not mm-hmm. saying Black Panther wasn't massive for Marvel. Sure. It was. But you gotta weigh that. You gotta yeah. balance it. And and again, I kind of return to my original. I mean, it's for the birds, but my original kind of thought process on how this movie would be structured. I say, okay, Marvel, Disney, they love making CGI characters. They love uh, <laughs> uh, putting yeah. CGI characters on dead, real people, posthumously. I, I thought we were going to get a triumphant end to Black Panther, uh, like an hour of just him, like, you know, battling Namor's forces and then right. he dies or something like that. No, that's not the case here. And I think the film is probably weaker for that less popcorny, cartoonish approach a little bit. Hmm. So I think this will be a watch for a lot of people uh, because a lot of people love that original. Uh, and like you said, it's going to be doing well in the box office. So the movie and the story gets lost in its own morning and doesn't feel the primary role as a Black Panther film, not a Chadwick Boseman film. We're going to go ahead and give Black Panther Wakanda Forever a 54. Ooh, 54. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, it was it was a slog. It, it, yeah, that it was sucks. A slog. It's just weird to to hear that that Marvel big Black Panther Marvel movie was a slog to go through. <laughs> yeah, it's, for that's, real. That's crazy. For real. Yeah, uh like I said, um just just a tough recommendation for like kids watching this too. Like it's kind of a little, little too heavy, honestly. But what a bummer. I mean, what a weird what a weird little film then. Yeah. A big film. Yeah. But um Yeah, <laughs> big film. <laughs> weird big film. <laughs> I you know, this could be something that maybe in without the context of phase four Marvel and just seeing how much of a shit show it is, maybe it'll be more positive on this as as time passes uh, and kind of reflecting on it. Uh but uh but yeah. W- wasn't dicking it. Yeah. Wasn't dicking it above that fifties mark. All right, Vin, looking at any other of these, um, Anything you'd like to add or roll credits here? I think we're good. There is one of the rare circumstance yeah. that I actually was excited over a trailer. I hate trailers. Oh, one of the ones you saw this week. Uh, yes. Uh, it, I think the movie is called Inside with Willem Dafoe. He plays like a bank robber, an art robber, and he gets trapped in like a, in like a um, what do they call that, like a, a panic room or something like that. Uh, really? It looks good. The trailer... It gave you just the right amount of magic. I'm really hoping they don't release a second trailer. It comes out in March. Did you do the studio? No, I actually didn't. I think uh, Bleecker Street? No, maybe not. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's Willem yeah. Dafoe, which is yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, know. <laughs> and I bring it up because you and I love it. I mean, I mean, yeah. We love the hunter. That That's a weird Willem I Dafoe. I like the hunter, yeah. yeah. It's just Willem, it's just in general. He, is... he was the best part of Spider-Man Homecoming, too. <laughs> yeah, for real. For real. <laughs> wow, but, okay. Yeah, rare trailer excitement. Yeah, rare trailer excitement. 
man. Cool, man. All right. Uh, Vin, thanks for watching these. Thanks for stopping by. Folks at home, we'll run it down one more time here. We have Beowulf with a 31%, Spotlight with a 73%, Tar with a 66%, Armageddon Time with a 69%, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever with a 54%. Folks, we thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, could you give us a good rating or tell a friend about us? If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings or events, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.